Welcome to the Expert Ownership Podcast, where we launch faith-filled entrepreneurs into greater freedom and success. Billy Graham once said that the next great move of God, he believed, would be among Christians in the marketplace. We believe that too. We want to be a part of it, and we want to help equip and inspire you to do the same. So please follow us on socials at Expert Ownership. If you haven't been to our website yet, check it out, expertownership.com. But we are excited about what God is going to speak through us to you today. Here we go. Welcome to Expert Ownership. You know, if you haven't subscribed or rated or reviewed this podcast yet, this would be a really good time to do that because that'll let us know you actually like it, and then we'll keep doing it. That's a good point. I think it's a great idea. Today, we're talking about leadership, which is probably the most discussed topic in all of business, and the reality is it's so broad. I don't even know if people really know what leadership is when you start talking about Jason leadership. Doesn't. Jason there are has thousands no of books on this. I do know what leadership is. What is it? I'm going to Definition. give it to you real right quick. Now. Leadership is the ability to create an appetite in those who follow you. Is that original? That's it. Is it original? Of course it is, man. It's original. But what do you think? Say it again. Say it again. Leadership is the ability to create an appetite in those who follow you. Yeah, so everybody, you could create bad appetites like Jason with his sons for M&Ms inside of ice cream late at night. Or good appetites like Like me with my sons in the desire for 80s music. That's really good. That's a really good one. We just Great have leadership. to ask ourselves, what kind of appetites are we creating in the people that are around us? It's not a question of, are you creating appetites? That's a given. Yes. You are creating an appetite. The question is, what type are you creating? That's exactly right. And I think if you're building a business as an entrepreneur, you've got to be thinking from the, from the very beginning, what kinds of people are we trying to produce through the work that we're doing here? Mm, yeah. Because at the end of the day, if you're like, well, I'm just trying to make a lot of money. Well, there are probably easier ways to make money than what you're currently doing. Yeah. So if that's the end goal, go do something else. Way easier way to do this. You might not like your life, but you can make money. And just think about from a customer standpoint, do they want to do business with someone who they know their primary concern is to make money? Exactly. Rather than to serve them? Exactly. You know, so as business owners, we create appetites all the time. You create appetite in your customers for your product or your service. You create appetites in your employees. You create appetites in your senior leads, in team leads, you create appetites, vendors, contractors, everybody. But then we say, don't forget your primary, the primary appetites you need to create are the ones inside of your spouse and your kids. Mm. You know, if you're married, your family, the people that are primary to you. So you pay attention to your kids. That's so stinking convicting. I got five. So I have a 22 year old, a 20 year old, 18 turning 16 and then an 11 year old. And I look at some of the appetites that they have culturally, I mean, just even with sports and other things. And I know directly I have cultivated a not so bueno appetite in them. No mucho bueno. Kelly and I had this conversation yesterday. Kelly's my wife, by the way, if you don't know Kelly. We were just talking about this yesterday. We took a little birthday trip, just the two of us got away for the day. And we said, you know, isn't it interesting that one of our primary responsibilities as parents is to make sure that we instill a knowledge and understanding Maybe not a belief because we can't really prompt that, but an understanding, a familiarity with God's word. Mm. And David, when you talk about some no bueno habits in your kids, I think that's one for us. It's one of our, you know, it feels like a shortcoming. Now, I don't really know what my kids know and what they don't know at the end of the day. What I do know is what I see coming out of them and the fruit that comes out of their lives. And sometimes I wonder how much of a priority is scripture or God's word in their lives. And so as a leader, it's very easy, not just with your kids, but with your employees or with the teams that you're leading, to look at them and think, 
I'm the leader. I'm supposed to be leading them. I'm supposed to be developing an appetite. Yes. I'm supposed to be helping them produce a certain kind of fruit. And I recognize, uh-oh, what's happening right now? Yeah. Am I well, doing a good job? Well, and you can see this, all of us growing up as kids and then seeing it in our own kids, is that the things that are caught are far more impactful than the things that are taught. The things that you, your kids, your team, your vendors catch you doing is an outpouring of who you are as a person. That's what will ultimately create an appetite. It's it doesn't really matter what you teach yeah, them. Well, I mean, you need to teach them. But now we get this. You you said an appetite for God's word. Obviously, David and I we've always said part of our shtick, part of the thing that makes us tick, is that we built all of our businesses and amassed all of our wealth on the principles of the scripture. So devouring the scripture didn't just help us spiritually, but it helped us financially in a great way. Now, whether or not God does that with you, it whatever, whatever God's plan is for you, but we applied those principles and they worked. We get this whole concept of leadership is the ability to create an appetite in those who follow you out of the scripture, Proverbs twenty two twenty six. Solomon speaking, he says, train up a child in the way he should go, and in the end he won't depart from it. And the Hebrew phrase for train up means to touch the palate of. And so what the Hebrew moms used to do is they would take vegetables, any type of vegetable, they'd chew it up really fine, they'd take a piece of it out of their mouth, put it onto the tip of their finger, and they would touch the palate of their kid with that food. Isn't that crazy? Like their little infant baby. I've seen you do that to David. Yeah, well, I tried. It didn't work real well. Bit his finger off. Yep. And so they touched the palate, and what that did was it activated the salivary glands in the kid, and they would begin to crave that food that was now placed in their mouth. So when Solomon is saying, hey, parents, leaders, here's how you create an appetite in those who follow you. You've got to touch the palate of those who follow you with whatever it is that you're chewing on. That's right. So for us, we woke up every single morning as kids finding my dad either on his knees in front of the couch praying or sitting on his green stool in the kitchen reading his Bible. And that began to create an appetite in us. And so later in life, like you know, later in our teenage years, we started reading the Bible for ourselves, And ultimately, applying those principles brought the business and financial success that, that came yeah. our way. Another thing that our dad touched our palate with when we were kids was for exercise. I would always look out and I'd see him running. And of course, this is before serious technology. So he would run with three by five cards. And by the end of his run... Wait, time out, time out. He's running and he's holding... Like Three. index cards. Yeah, huh? index cards. A whole stack of them. Oh What's he doing about them? He's memorizing verses because he'd have a different verse on each card. By the time he'd get done, these suckers would be like rolled up like a baton. But he'd have five, six, seven scriptures memorized after his three to five, seven mile run. Anyway, so Jason and I started doing that. We started exercising and, and, and all of these other things and kind of craving God's word just because we saw our dad doing it. And of course, it doesn't mean everything was peachy keen and roses. I mean, Jason Can I was say a horrible hellion when he was in hey, high school. Let me say something about dad running back in the 80s. You know, he had this big bouffant hair and just this hairy chest. And he was all about running in his coaching shorts and his floppy socks. And it was quite like, a scene. Like Pete Remember the, the coaching shorts? Like elastic, they buttoned, had a zipper. Yeah, one inch inseam. Yeah, yeah with the pockets like flat across there. the front. Yeah, it was oh, yeah. up there. Those are back. Yeah. Are they? Which is weird. Oh, yeah. People love those now. Do you wear them? I do not wear them. Why not? It's a little too snug for me. Oh, come Got on. Yeah. Got it. It's too tight. I don't like it. Okay. Hey, I just wrote down three by five on this little note. Yeah, three by five. Three scriptures and five miles. There That's you what your dad go. did. Oh, three by five. He That's did a it. good program. We three? should actually, we should launch that today. Yeah, let's do it. Three by five. Run, run five miles and memorize three scriptures. Call it something. Yeah, it's called three by five. Yeah, what, what else would you call it, Jason? He's the marketing I like genius. five by three. 
But that's not what that's the card is called. That's not five scriptures. It's three by five. Nobody okay. says, hey, do you have a five by three index card? So three by five dot com. Are we launching this today? We're going to consider it. Okay, we're going to consider we'll it. send out an email if it's the case. We'll mention it here next week. Hey, so leadership. The cool thing is last week we talked about teamwork. This week we're talking about leadership. And when you think about you know, having the right team in place and then leading that team, was it Alexander the Great, Jason, that said, I don't fear an yeah. army of lions led by sheep. Yeah. I fear an army of sheep led by a lion. Yeah. Right? Like a lion is not just a, you know, he's not just sitting around and, you know, living the luxurious life. I mean, he's actually got a pride. He's taking care of it. And when danger comes around, he roars. You know, he's like, it's like this whole idea, especially in today's but, cancel culture. But you've got to know. Real leaders have to speak from truth what's in their heart. That's right. You have to bury your leadership in the bed of truth. Like it has to be born out of truth. I'll Otherwise, give, you're creating bad actors. I'll advertise. give you an example because David just talked about lions roaring. Okay. Like I do believe that with the emasculation of men, with cancel culture out there, they're trying to really convince men that just being masculine, especially white, heterosexual, decently successful you go to church you are toxic like that's toxic masculinity and so these men too many men are believing it it's believing a lie no you need to be a man even the scripture says be a man right and and that means that that you do recognize there is a roar inside of you you got to get it back but it has to be based in truth and i'll give you an example i watched that show you guys might have seen it about Tony Robbins. I'm not your guru. Yes, saw it on mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Netflix, and and I do like Tony Robbins for for some things. He really does care about people. He does. He cares about people, and I like that. And, and he unlocks people, and he's really good with that. But you know, there was this guy who had kind of lost his ability to roar. Like he lost his ability to be a man. And and this guy wasn't being a good leader for his wife. And so his wife stood up with him and Tony, you know, in his fashion, he goes back there and talks with him and you can tell he cares. And and the wife is saying, you know, he's just not real proactive and he's kind of lost that vitality that he once had. And so Tony's asking the guy something and and he gets down to, to the base level and he goes, you've forgotten your roar. I want to hear you roar. And the guy's like, Roar! <laughs> you know? Oh boy! He's like, no, I want to hear you roar. You know, and the dude ends up going roar like that. Okay, and so you see this, and it's really great for camera and all this kind of stuff. And then the next day, they interviewed the woman, and they said, "Well, how was it with your husband?" She's like, "He has definitely changed. He has changed." Unfortunately, he asked me to do some stuff in the bedroom last night that really made me feel uncomfortable. But I think that ultimately him getting his masculinity back is going to be a good thing. And instantly there, my heart broke. Yes. I said, Tony, you almost had it. Yes. Well, you it's would not his just, fault. I mean, this dude went and did that. But if, if, yes. but, but if, if Tony as a leader could have led him to the truth, when I'm telling you, you need to roar. You need to recognize that Jesus is a lion. Like he's considered a lion. Like Daniel in the lion's den, those lions didn't see a man. They saw a stronger lion inside of Daniel. Otherwise, they'd attack the man and they would have eaten him. But they saw a stronger lion in him, and that lion is a good—he's a good god, right? Yeah. And so I would say that you know, as leaders, we got to be careful that we don't just teach people to roar. We don't just create appetites. It's got to be the right appetite. That's right. Why? Otherwise, people will take your advice and they'll do the same thing that they did with Tony Robbins. Well, it's irresponsible. Otherwise, you're equipping people who don't have the capacity to actually carry that equipping. So they'll take in the application for it ends up being exactly what you just described. It ends up being hurtful for people around them, or it ends up being something that they don't even know how to control themselves, and they get yeah. excited or even energized by the fact that they have a skill or a capability, yes. but they don't know what to do with it. It's like, yes. It's like wielding a sharp sword without actually having any training on this thing. Well, that's where yeah. we go right back to Scripture. 
is that it says in Scripture, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. And that type of humility, and then the servant attitude, if you want to be great, you have to become a servant. Like even John the Baptist, when he saw Jesus, he said, he must increase and I must decrease. Now, there's a lot of Christian entrepreneurs and influencers and even pastors to a certain extent that flip that around. It's like, I must increase so that Christ can increase. And it's like, it's the complete opposite, right? So that's why being a kingdom entrepreneur in terms of leadership is really the opposite of the world system. And that will resonate in the hearts of the people that do business with you. It'll resonate in the hearts of your team, and it will resonate in the hearts of the people in your home. So how do you balance? Because I think a lot of business leaders think about, yes, I love what you're saying. I love there's a lion in me. I want to I want to express that the best that I can. And then you have to reconcile that with scriptures and what you just said, David, about being a servant. You see Jesus, who's washing feet, mm. as the greatest picture of leadership. And people saying, I don't know how to reconcile that in my mind. How do the two fit hand in hand? Yeah. What well, that's, that's the definition of meekness, right? Meekness is like the horse on race day that can run faster than any other animal. Well, not every other animal, but certainly any... Most? Yeah, most animals. And yet you watch them. They've got a jockey on their back, and they're walking toward the starting gates, and then they get them in the starting gates, and it's just their muscle striations and all that kind of stuff. That's meekness. It's like strength under control. And then, boom, the gates open. Then they go. right. So that's that's where you need the Holy Spirit. That's why listening prayer is so incredibly important. We teach all our people... You have to build your businesses on the foundation of listening prayer. So it's we use Scripture, right? Scripture is God has spoken. Now he still speaks through that. But listening prayer is God's like going to speak to you. He's going to talk to you. And one of the things he's going to do in listening prayer is he's going to convict you. And one of those things, he's going to convict you of pride. He's going to convict you of certain things like you see in the Scripture where it says that a rich man answers roughly, but a poor man answers softly. It's like, well, that's because the poor man can empathize. Well, when you're spending time with the Lord, he's going to remind you of what a toolbox you are, you know, and you'll know who you are without him, and it'll keep you humble. So to me, that's it. Strength under control. It's recognizing the lions there. But then when truth is trampled in the streets, when your wife is maligned or your kids are being under attack or whatever, and you're feeling that indignation coming in you, you let that out. And you let it out in a way to where you recognize the, the fight isn't physical. I'm not here to hurt anybody. Unless, unless someone's attacking your family yeah, and you I mean, drop bombs. You drop bombs. Yeah, that whole turn the other cheek isn't about it's taking literally out getting your butt okay, beat. Being a doormat. Yeah, no, that's about persecution. So anyway, it's it's releasing that strength, but doing it under control. And and the only way to really do that is if you feel love in your heart for the people that you're talking to, even yeah, the ones great. that you don't like. David, so we've all had good leaders that we've served under. Maybe they were coaches. Maybe they were actual leaders in businesses. Maybe they were teachers we had in school. Would you rather be led by somebody who's extremely passionate, I'll give you an example in a second, or somebody who is more driven or prioritizes principles or best practices? Because both can be good leaders. And Jason, what you said earlier about being grounded and rooted in truth really is the difference. But are better leaders the ones that are just fiery and they can pump us up and they can help develop an appetite in us for something? Or the people who have great systems and great processes and best practices in place, and they can kind of systematically move you forward. Mm. What do you think? Well, both. He don't know. <laughs> no, I'm not. No, He's I, waiting for me. I don't, I don't go one to the other. I love uh, Thomas Jefferson's quote. Centuries ago, he said, when it comes to principle, stand like a rock. When it comes to style, swim with the current. 
I love the person bound by principles that has the practices in place. You've got everything in place. You've got your systems in place because that's that's your hiring and firing, specifically in the context of business. I know Jefferson was talking about culture and politics, but specifically in the context of business, you've got to have all of your systems in place because people don't thrive without a system. People don't thrive without boundaries, right? You've got to put that boundary in place. Heck, if I'm going to have some water with my lunch, they don't just pour water on the table. No, it needs a glass. The water doesn't nourish me unless it has a glass. In other words, we have to have the systems and the conduits in place so that people can thrive. So yes, you have to have principle, but at the same time, you got to engage the heart. Jason and I, we've been in real estate for a long time, and I talk about the difference between a house and a home, right? We sell houses. I don't sell homes. It's up to you to make that home. In other words, you put the heart in it, and you could have a luxurious mansion, and it's so awesome, but there's arguing and fighting and divorce and all the other stuff that really brings a lot of pain inside that home and it doesn't tie into the kids they're not like creating loving memories in that place or you could have a like jason and i on dawn drive in garland texas i mean we it was the well we grew up there but my fondest memories of a kid you know our house was a home because of the heart that was in it so i think that as business owners and as good leaders we have to be bound by principles which would be the house and yet we need to be passionate about serving others and making our culture an attractive place so that people can actually make that a home yeah passion has to stay inside of principles got to get your principles locked and dialed in first and bring the passion into that. If you bring passion without principles, it's going to end up in chaos. Yeah, and it gets a little bit scary when you start seeing leaders who are extremely passionate, which means they're really compelling. They've got this gift of woo, and people start just jumping on board saying, I'm in. What yeah. are we going to do? Yeah. And you realize they may not necessarily have a direction. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, well, and then, and then all you want is just intellectual honesty. For them to say, I'm excited, you're excited, but I got no clue where I'm going right now. Don't join my train. That's right. Like, and don't forget that your ability to mobilize people is a gift also. God's given people that gift. But if you're not taking them anywhere, yeah. watch out. Yeah, yeah, that's leadership, though. I mean, you're creating an appetite. Hey, in them. All of a sudden, boom, you've, you've awakened an appetite. For what? That's right. I don't know. That's right. I mean, we could talk about leadership for six hours easily. But you know what? You did say something that made me think. You said, you better watch out, right? I want to finish that statement. You better watch out. You better not cry, okay? You better not pout. And I'm going to tell you why. I've never heard this. Well, this is original. Okay. Santa Claus is coming to town. Now, Santa. That's right. Santa! Good Dad. leader. There you go. <laughs> Great right leader. That was that might have been one of my best original quotes <laughs> ever. smell like beef and cheese. Facts. Facts. You're not, a, you're not really Santa. Own it or loan it. Okay. You're ready. Taking on debt. Oh, loan that sucker. What if it's okay, good Okay, but let's talk it could be about good the debt. debt. Let's define that. Uh, I'm just is saying there, all in, just, just overall, yeah, I'd rather loan it, but. You said loan it, so who am I loaning it to? Because maybe they're going in debt to me. No, 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 no. The loan it is just it's just an example of getting rid of it out of your life. Okay, if I have to lump all debt into one, I say loan it, get rid sure. of it, get out of it. But you wouldn't. You would but never. I would only yeah. own conservative debt that does not. The scripture says it doesn't say don't go into debt. It does not give a command. Do not go into debt. It says if you do go into debt. Remember, borrower, servant to the lender. If you lack the means to pay, your bed will be snatched from you. If you do go into debt, first of all, it can't be consumer debt. Don't borrow to get a couch or don't borrow to get you know your hair done or whatever. Sam. Sam. Listen up. Yeah, that big blonde bouffant hair. So 
don't borrow for that, you know, tennis shoes or whatever, something that's going to lose value. But if you're going to borrow, you want to borrow to invest. But if you have to make that total payment or if it all goes south, you do not want to leverage the bed that's underneath you. In other words, you you cannot put your family in a situation where you could lose it all. Yeah. So I would absolutely loan debt. And so I would say that, that one scripture that says, oh, no man, nothing but the debt of love, that's because debt interpersonally, not from me getting a loan from Bank of America, but me getting a loan from my grandmother or a friend of my grandfather's. You know what I'm saying? Now all of a sudden that Changes, changes the relationship it does when you are you do not need to do that you know if your parents want to give you a gift if your dad says hey i'll loan you a hundred thousand dollars you can pay me or whatever you can do that but you got to recognize that the relationship will change okay it will and especially if it comes to friends david and i've had this where loaned a guy 30 30 grand and uh, shouldn't have done it but this was years ago and we did it and then he stopped paying us after he paid maybe $2,000 of it back. And guess what I thought every time I saw him at church? Where's my money, sucker? Exactly. You know what I'm saying? The reality is if you're ever going to loan somebody money, you might as well feel like, or at least consider, if I never get this back, I'm going to be okay, or else yeah. I better not loan this at all. There you go. And that's exactly what we learned from that. We we ultimately wrote it off, and we wrote off like twenty six dollars or $27,000, and then decided if we ever do that again, it's a gift, or we make it equity. So as opposed yep. to making it debt, we make it equity. You know what? I'll take is, equity in the business as opposed to giving you debt. That's right. We need to talk about this some more. This should be our next. Let's talk about money next episode. Can we call it moolah? We can call it moolah. Yeah, we're gonna, okay. We're gonna call it moolah because it, it is so interesting that you talk to people who are wealthy versus people who you know want to be wealthy, aspiring people who want to be wealthy, and people who are wealthy will tell you one of the big differences is we know how to leverage debt. Yeah. We know how to manage taxes. And mm-hmm. it is interesting that the scriptures are very clear. It doesn't say, don't go into debt. Yeah. But it says, understand your debt. Just understand it. That's right. Understand because there's, some, there's something that comes with it. It changes your identity and your relationships. So just know that. This will be good. Yeah, that's so true. Relationships change when money changes hands. All right, we got to go. We got to talk about this can, next time, though. We're going to do a whole new episode. Can I borrow this. 10 bucks? Yeah, you can borrow 10 bucks. I'm not going to plan on getting it back. We give him 10 bucks. All right, let me wrap up. Subscribe, rate, review this podcast. Let folks know that. You come and listen to this podcast every single week. You're learning principles for your own life, for your business, for your family, for your moolah on how to manage it. All right, let me wrap with this because we say it every week. Impact over income. Go ahead and go for both. Just get the order right. We'll see you next week.